Friday Night Mics with Micah Jordan. Welcome to Friday Night Mics. Today we got Carla and Dave with us. Uh, so t- tell me what you guys are about and like all that stuff. <laughs> okay. Sure, Micah. <laughs> Okay, so Micah, about six or seven years ago, um, we work in a medical office together. I'm a doctor. Carla was my office manager. We met about, oh, 25 years ago. We became best friends immediately. Uh, We've known each other since then. and, And but about six or seven years ago, we started electronic medical records in our office. And it was very stressful. I was getting Mm -hmm. burned out. I became grouchy. Uh, The days became 12, 16 hours long. Now, it did get better, but it took us a a, a good length of time. And Carla was getting tired with me being so grouchy. (laughs) And so one day she came in and... uh, she said she was reading in the bathroom. So maybe you want to tell her about that, Carla. Yeah, I was reading uh, in AARP magazine, um, which was funny in itself, about meditation and the benefits. So I brought it into the office and I said to Dave, well, you know, you're, you're just not yourself. I can call a counselor. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Or do you want to try to meditate as an office? And um, he decided he'd go for the meditation. So we decided that the four of us in the small medical office would um, get together a half an hour earlier in the morning before the patients began, and we would start to meditate. So the first day, there were four of us, and we all talked about how difficult it was to shut our brain off to meditate. It's really hard. Um, Your mind wants to keep working. Um, the second day, we all mentioned that we saw different bright colors, and but it was more relaxing. And by the third day, the girls said, eh, we don't want to come in a half an hour earlier. You guys just go ahead and do it. We'll do it at home. So we decided to, and Dave and I, um, on that third day, meditated by ourselves and come in. And as the patients um, arrived, I went into my own office and Dave followed behind me and he said, Carla, I know you're going to think this is really strange, but I think I was just talking to your mother. Now, my mother had died 20 years before that and Dave had never met her. Um, The only thing he knew about my mother is that she died from a brain tumor. And so my first thought was, well, why the heck did she come to you and not me? I was meditating. But um, anyway, Dave said to me, well, it was really strange. She was happy and she was joking and laughing and she kept showing me this shoe. And I said, what do you mean a shoe? And he said, a shoe. So I I had this thought, I went over to the computer and I brought up about 60 different types of shoes. And Dave walked over, I said, which one? And he pointed to the exact shoe. Now, the fact that he never met my mother, he couldn't possibly know what type of shoe she wore. Um, but she did wear, she was a ballroom dancer and she wore the same type of shoe her whole life. It was an open, uh, she wore it for dress up or to church um, and for dancing. But he went over and he picked that exact shoe out of like 60 pairs of shoes. And then my sister, who also worked in the office, went down the hall, brought up a picture of my mother when she was in her 40s, showed it to Dave and said, this is my mother. And Dave got real emotional. He said, that's the woman I was speaking with. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And it didn't stop there, Micah. We kept meditating. 
And one day while I was meditating, I had a memory. And the memory was from 1962. Now, this is telling you how old we are, Micah. And I know you're a young man. But uh, we, in 1962, my father went to graduate school. I was three years old. We drove all the way across the country from Nebraska to Boston. And that summer, I had a memory while I was, while I was meditating. I remembered that summer which is pretty young for, for kids to remember anything at three years old. Yeah. But I remembered running on this beach and I saw the Ferris wheel in the background and roller coasters in the beach. And I was running and screaming and yelling. And this little girl ran over and she pushed me down. She sat on my chest. She gave me a kiss on the forehead. She then jumped up and she said, quit bothering my family. And I looked at her and she had this little round belly and this little two-piece blue bathing suit. So I told Carla and Paula all about my memory. And they looked at me and said, you were in Boston. And they both said, we were raised in Boston. And Carla looked at me and said, what'd you say, Carla? Well, I said, that was me. And... The other thing that Dave remembered was he heard a woman say, Carla, little girls, little ladies don't act that way. Well, the reason I remembered it and I didn't need meditation uh, to remember that day was because good Catholic family. I was the youngest of five girls and um, my parents were always splitting up, but they never got divorced because they were Catholic. But that particular day, we weren't well off. We didn't have a car. My parents got two cabs and we all went to Revere Beach. And when Dave started to talk about Revere Beach in Boston, my sister and I knew exactly which beach it was. It wasn't just sand and water. That particular beach had um, an amusement park with it. So as he described it, we knew what beach he was talking about. But the day my family got there, for whatever reason, when we arrived, I did not have a bathing suit. And I normally would have inherited one from one of my sisters. So we went across the street, my parents not having any money. But we were there for the day. They bought me my first brand new two-piece blue ruffled, ruffled bathing suit. So that was etched in my mind. I didn't get new things. Um, and I didn't get two-piece bathing suits. My mother was pretty strict about that. So I remembered it. And it was one of those moments where Paul and I just said, all these years and you never told us that you were in Boston. It was like our second aha moment. But we continued to meditate. And more things started to surface and we kept writing everything down because nothing made sense. Like Dave would, Dave would see faces and, and objects and none of it made sense. Um, and my sister and I, you know, we were meditating too. We would see things and would write them down. None of it made sense to us. And then Dave came in one morning and he said, I was meditating last night and I had this memory and the memory was I was in a dark alley and I, I looked over in this dark alley and you were standing there. Now, it wasn't you. It doesn't look like you do now, but it was you. I could tell by your eyes. And all of a sudden there were bright lights and flashes and I felt a pain in my chest and I realized I had been shot and I fell over backwards and then everything went black and obviously I died. And so he's telling me this memory. And again, we journaled everything. We thought it was bizarre. This was back in the 1920s and I was dressed like a flapper. So is this the, is this the story about 
1925? It is. It is. Oh, okay. And, and so we started, continued to meditate. And another day I got more memory. And the new memory was that I had met this woman who was the flapper in 1925 at a wedding of a man named Angelo. After the wedding, I asked her to go to breakfast the next day, and we did, and we walked along the beach of Chicago. And she told me that her name was Ruby Donaldson. She knew her father's name was James and that she was from Bullock, Georgia, and she had come to Chicago because she wanted to learn to be a dressmaker. But she had got involved with this man named Angelo and worked at his speakeasy. Well, Carla, being Carla, uh, a day she was not working, she went out and started doing research and found all sorts of facts. Yes, um, actually, I got onto Ancestry.com. And had we not had some names, it would have been difficult, but I had some information. I found a Ruby Donaldson born in 1904 in Bullock, Georgia, to James and Anna Donaldson, one of 11 children. I could find pictures of my parents and some of my siblings. I didn't find one of Ruby. Um, then I also found an article um, on the gangster Angelo Jenna, who I had never heard of. Um, but he was the head honcho before Al Capone in Little Italy in Chicago. And he had married Lucille Spinola on January the 10th of 1925 at uh, Ashland Auditorium. And um, it was a makeshift church. They couldn't find a church large enough because they had over 3,000 gangsters there. Found a second article. Um, it was a picture of their wedding cake that was over 10 feet tall. It showed two women standing next to it. So I called Dave and I said, these names. Um, I found this and this and that. We were just absolutely shocked because we had more of the story. And we kept looking and getting more and more of the story. But for me as a physician, I was asking lots of questions. I said, how can I have a memory? It's one thing to have a memory from 1962 when you're three years old, but to have a memory from 1925 before you're even born. And we kept meditating and we kept getting more and more memories and we kept journaling. And we found that Carla and I had 29 shared memories that extended back almost 6,000 years. Started doing lots of research. We found that Ian Stevenson, Jim Matlock, Jim Tucker had been doing research for 50 or 60 years on reincarnation. And they had 2,500 kids with spontaneous memories that were confirmed. They had, you know, dates, times, names, places. And we had that same thing. And I'm like, okay, I was raised Catholic, just like Carla. I didn't think reincarnation was possible. But here we had all these memories that seemed to stack up. And then we started continuing to journal and we started getting lessons from my spirit guide whose name was Isabella and the first thing Isabella told us was that she had been my spirit guide for 6,000 years through 42 of my past lives and that I had shared 29 of them with Carla we started Can learning I more yeah go ahead Carla well, Dave, you should say that those documented cases um, from Ian Stevenson, uh, Jim Madlock, and uh, Jim Tucker, are um, they're all uh, professors from um, the University of Virginia, documented cases there. 
Um, but, you know, Dave and I are not weak in the fact that we've had memories. If you get onto any of the reincarnation sites, there are many, many people, I'd like to call it like a, a hidden um, underground society because it's so not open in everyday um, America and the other countries, I think they're more open about it. But there's a lot of people talking about reincarnation and the memories that they have of past lives. Dave and I seem to be a little unique in the fact that we had 29 past lives together. Um, that seems to be a little bit different. Um, but we kept documenting and we kept finding out more and more information. We know um, what our names were, um, what our astrological signs were, what we died from, where we lived, if we had children, who our children were. And one of the repeating things that we found um, in, in, in this world, we refer to the people that are in our lives over and over and over again as our family mates. Um, we call them family mates or karmic mates in group. These are the people that you come back to um, the earth with over and over and over again because either you work well together, um, um, you have something to, um, to complete with each other, either something that was a karmic debt that the two of you entered into in a past life and you need to fix it in this life or because you have something to accomplish and you work well together. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, so like, where did it start? I guess, like, where did the chain start? Um, our first life um, started actually in Israel over 6,000 years ago. Um, we were actually born on the Mount of Olives. We went back and did research and found that there was an ancient civilization that was actually lived there about 6,000, 7,000 years ago. Uh, we moved from there to the Ayan Getty, which is along the Dead Sea. Uh, we had a large garden. Uh, and then, of course, we had many, many more lives. And we started finding lives in places that we had never heard of. Uh, our second life was in a place called Trace or Thrace. And it's really interesting. I had never heard of it, but I knew that my owner in that life was a Thracian warrior. And we found out that I was a shepherd boy. And again, that life was some 30 or 5,700 years ago. And Carla also was in that life. I've found Carla in, in many of these lives. She's been my mother, my sister, my friend, many times a, a romantic interest of some kind. And apparently we work well together and we've started trying to get this message out because the message that we've learned is that there is no hell that you get chance after chance to try to learn and get this right. The real answer to all things is love. And compassion. And, we, and compassion. And when you learn to make your all decisions out of love and not make them out of conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness, you actually return home to God, creator, Tao, source, as you were created, which is love. And so... The purpose of this life is to learn to love one another, you know, treat each other with respect, make decisions out of love, 
and then return home because you've learned all those lessons. So it could take, uh, so it could take like different amounts for anybody. For anybody. It could be many, many lives, Micah. We all grow at a different level. What do you think would happen? Like, what if one of you like, uh, finishes it first? Well, certainly that's possible, Micah. Um, you know, we usually say we must be slow learners. However, we, we know from many of the people we've talked to that people do have many, many lives. Uh, Carla and I are certainly hoping, again, that this is the last one. We're trying to get the message out so that people know that what they do in this life does matter that there is a purpose for their life and that if they follow those five simple rules, living without conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness, and making every decision out of love, that they can get off this wheel. They can get off the, what people call pain and suffering, which is really just lessons, but they can finish this life and return back to heaven, God, creator, uh, to a life without wants, needs, or desires. Um, so what happens like between lives? Are you like, once you're killed, are you born instantly or how, uh, like, how, how are you guys patched together like that? Like, you know? <laughs> That's a great question, Micah. There's a, a time between lives that we call atonement. Some or people life call, review or past life review. And during that time, you actually review your past life. You see the mistakes you made, and we don't like to call them mistakes. We say the poor choices that you made. You, you are planned a new life uh, with help from your angels, spirit guides, God, as they set you up for those lessons you need to learn in the next life. This time between lives can be very variable because, of course, you can get off cycle with your soul family. So it could be as short as months. Some people have experienced it being as short as weeks. But it can also be years where you wait until it's time to return with those people that you have karma with, lessons with, and or those people that help you. Because, Micah... Let's, let's say, for instance, um, you and I had karma together, and I died early, but you lived to be 85, but I still had that karma that I should fix with you. So I will wait for you, and when you die, then we're back on cycle. Okay, and what do you mean by, like, karma? All right. The definition of karma is really that cause and effect controls everything. And as we were saying before, karma means anything that's based on the ego is an, is negative karma. So those things, those decisions you make out of conceit or jealousy or selfishness, unforgiveness, and any decisions you make out of love help for, help repair and fix your karma. So if you're, you know, if you're good to people, you don't develop extra karma. Now, here's an example of karma. You go into the grocery store and the clerk is rude and you're rude back. You may have just developed karma. Now you've made tied yourself in that next life to that store clerk. 
which is going to confuse the system, starts to make the system have to adapt. That's why we say this system has to have some sort of authority, some sort of coordinator. And the coordinator we call God. Or an intelligent designer. Yes, an intelligent designer who actually coordinates and makes sure you return with the people you need to fix the karma with. That way you continue to learn lessons based on compassion. An example is we've actually lived lives where we've been black, white, Asian. We've been rich, poor. We've been slave and slave owner. Because you... Sinners. Because literally, Micah, you have to live both sides of every every situation. In fact, we've had lives where we lived on one side of a war, were killed in war, and returned on the opposite side of the same war, literally fighting yourself. Until you learn that compassion and understand what other people are going through. And so, so God or the creator being created karma as a way to help us learn more. Learn more and grow. Absolutely. But we actually create our own karma. Because we have free will, Micah. And the reason we have free will is love cannot be forced or coerced. And to learn love, you have to be able to give it freely. And so that's the real lesson here is you're given free will, which allows us to make these terrible mistakes but it also allows us to overcome our poor choices by choosing to make a decision out of love. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, I don't have any more questions. <clears throat> Do you guys have anything you guys want to say or anything? Sure. If people want to learn more about our lessons, they can visit our website, which is thegiftofpastlives.com. We have three books that we've written. One is The Gift of Past Lives, with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth, which was about our first experiences. The second book is Hell No Reincarnation, which is our book on research on reincarnation, religion, and how religion has sometimes got the message wrong. And our third book is the manual. And we like to say we never got the manual. And in this case, we're going to try to give you part of the manual so that you can understand how reincarnation works and how the system works to get you back to God. All right. Um, well, <clears throat> it was great having you guys here. It was nice talking to you guys. Thanks, and, uh, Micah. My pleasure, Micah. Yeah, I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. And you we too. will. And thank you for um, having us. Uh, thank you for being here. Well, um, all right. Peace out. What's up, everyone? I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I want a big shout out to uh, Carla and Dave for this one. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at DatBoyMicah. And I hope you enjoy. Friday Night Mics with Micah Jordan.